Well, last week, uh, Nick shared about uh, radical change. And he shared the story of Jonah. And I, I love the story of Jonah. And, and I, did, did you guys know that the people from Nineveh were brutal to the people of Israel? They had uh, historically um, killed the Israelites and had even gone as far as flaying their nobil nobility uh, and hanging those skins from the city walls, stacking the corpses in pyramids. Those were the people that God told Noah to go preach repentance to. Before the storm and the big fish, Jonah was headed to Tarshish, which is 3,000 miles the opposite direction from where Jonah started and where God wanted him to go to. It was the furthest known point in the world as it existed at that time. There were no points beyond it that had been explored or discovered. Jonah absolutely knew what God's will was and he was absolutely determined not to do it. If you knew without a doubt that what it was that God was calling you to do, and it was to take his message of forgiveness to your sworn enemy, how would you react? Would you flee the other way like Noah? Or would you immediately follow God? Save that question, and we'll come back to it later on. Knowing God's will, that's the title of our subject in our Core 52 book. How can we know God's will? Remember the old saying about fishing? Give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach him to fish, he'll never go hungry. Well, that's my hope today is to do my best not to stand up here and feed you, but rather to show you how to seek and find God's will and receive it for yourselves. First, before we open God's word, let's pray. Lord, we study your word today and we ask as Jesus taught us for your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Today, Lord, we seek to understand and know just what your will is. Lord, prepare the soil of our hearts to be accepting of your will as you give us, if you give it, it to us. Lord, through our ears and our minds and our souls, let, let it not be that our will would be done, Lord, but that your will would be done today and always. Amen. How do we know the will of God? First, we need to take a step back because knowing someone and knowing what they want or what they will to have happen can, can often go hand in hand if we know them well enough. Many of us are married 
How well do we know our spouses? Do we know what they want even before they ask? Or they tell us? One time I thought Shelly would like a new sweeper. So I bought her one for her birthday. <laughs> I learned that I still didn't know whether or not she wanted a sweeper. With that said, she sure didn't want a sweeper for her birthday. So a few years later, I bought her a new sewing machine. And you guessed it. Whether or not she, she wanted a new, new sewing machine didn't matter because she darn sure didn't want one for Valentine's Day. I found that not only did I not know her wants and wishes for those occasions, it occurred to me that I might be an irreversible idiot. We have developed a saying in our marriage for times like those, it goes something like this. I love you, but I don't like you very much right now. Some of us may sometimes know the will of God, and all of us can always want to know the will of God. The difference between the two, the difference between finding God's will and having it and wanting and looking for it or hunting for it, if you will, it's like I told my youngest son, Blair, one day when we were deer hunting, and he wanted to get down out of the deer stand and go home. And I said, I told him, I said, Blair, you ain't going to get a deer if you ain't in the woods. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I can't believe that he taught him the word ain't at seven years old. But seriously, uh, we can't know the will of God if we're at home on the couch watching TV. So take a walk in the woods, or should I say, in the Word with me. 1 John 2.17. I've got all these neat little markers, and they're all twisted up on me. All right. Uh-oh. That one just plumb pulled, up, pulled out, and that's the one I need. <laughs> I think I can find it here. 1 John 2.17 The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. We will live forever. And the effects of us doing His will will have lasting effects. You know, I served on a prison ministry weekend years ago. And there was a young man that our last meeting as we prepared for that weekend was inside the prison. And they had several young men, but this one young man that came that day who had been on the weekend in the past came to speak to us. And as he spoke, he, he told us uh, many things that were amazing. One, that he would go through the Bible approximately once every two months, which, amazing. Uh, he was able to 
recite from memory long passages of Scripture, uh, just almost like uh, on command, as if you were pressing some kind of audible book, and it was just coming out at command. But there was one thing that he said about halfway through. He said, you know, growing up, we never called my mom by her first we always called her by her first name. We never called her mom or mother or mama or none of those things. We called her Thelma, he said. He said, but after I went on this weekend, I would call home and I would speak with my mom or my siblings or other loved ones. And at the end of the conversation, I would tell them, I love you. And he said, at first it freaked them out. They weren't used to that. He said, but eventually it kind of quit freaking them out, and eventually they would return and say, I love you back. And I really didn't hear much else of what he said because my mind went racing, thinking of how he and his mother and siblings were telling each other that they loved one another. And then surely those siblings then were telling their children and and then on and on it would go. Uh, and the, the effect over time was, I'm sure, tremendous where love was shared in that family because of the impact that that ministry had had on this young man. It's like trying to read something that's going away and back, have enough trouble seeing. But, you know, in, in that train of thought of, what I was thinking about the impact of that young man and the love he was shown and then the love that he then showed to others in his life. I think that if we love like Jesus, will that love that we have shared not go on in this world long after we're gone? You know, like branches of a tree spreading up and out and down into the soil, Love penetrates the air and the earth all around us as it touches hearts. Are we like that young man? Are we a growing tree? Giving our thoughts and our minds and our will over to the analogy of that tree. Let me just briefly visit Nick's message from last week again about radical change. And the words out of the main scripture Romans 12:2 Do not be do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good pleasing and perfect will for us to know God's will one of the primary sources is by reading and studying his word Capital W. John 1 1. I don't need to look at it, I can just tell you. Says that in the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. If you want to know God's will, study His Word. The Bible says that Jesus and the Word. The Bible says that Jesus and the Word were with God. So if we seek Jesus and we seek 
in his word will find him. And later in that passage in 1 John, in, chapter, in verse 14, it says, the word, again, capital W, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, in Revelation 19, verse 13, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word. So if we want to know Jesus, and it also says Jesus is God. So if we want to know God, we want to know Jesus, we don't want to know what their will is for us, then we need to study the Word. I'm not a betting man, but I'd say that if you spend time with God, you spend time with Jesus, and you spend time with the Holy Spirit, that you're going to get to know Him. You're going to get to begin to have an understanding of His will. You know, two weeks ago, I alluded to uh, how God was working in me prior to our family's darkest hour. I spoke of how He was pouring out His grace on me and giving me an understanding and a surety of who I was, who I am. And I spoke of that marathon nine-plus-hour study session, caught up in His Spirit and immersed in His Word. That morning when I woke after I'd gone to bed at about 4 a.m., I had uh, sciatica. I'd never had it before, but I'd known people who had, so I was pretty sure the numbness and the pain in my hip was a result of sciatica and that was in January of 2010, and I prayed about it, and after a day or so, it went away. About four months later, I went on the walk to Emmaus, and I, as I said a couple weeks ago, I was very excited to go. I'd been supposed to go six months earlier, and I was chomping at the bit. I was in the Word every spare moment I had, and I was praying God would bless me with all the blessing that he intended for me. The day of the walk, I again had begun to have a bout of sciatic pain. This time it was worse. At the weekend, it kept getting worse to the point that I couldn't focus. And all my newfound friends and brothers in Christ were concerned about me. And uh, my prayer was that I was not to going to be a distraction for them and uh, keep them from getting all that God had for them out of the weekend. Uh, it starts on a Thursday and on Friday evening I asked a small group that I was paired with uh, if they would lay hands on me and anoint me with oil and pray for healing. I was over the pain. They were concerned for me, however, their comfort zone didn't reach that far yet. The next day, I asked for healing prayers again, and, and I even, I'd left my Bible in the conference room, and I asked one of them for a Bible. I was so distracted that I could hardly find James chapter 5, but I finally found it, and I read to them, 
Is any one of you sick? In James 5, 14. He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. To which they responded, See, that says elders. I said, oh, come on, guys. You've got to be kidding me. And uh, just at that point in time, this fellow named John Seitzing walked in. He was paired with another group, but he had walked into the room there where we were. And one of them said, hey, John, you're an elder, aren't you? Uh, yeah, he said. He said, well, Matt's wanting prayed for and anointed with oil. And, and uh, it, the Bible says it's supposed to be an elder, so can you do that? He said, uh, okay. He said, uh, <laughs> I, got, I got the drift that this was outside his comfort zone, too. And uh, he said, do you have any oil? And I said, right here, cap's already off. And uh, I, had my, I was going to bring it this morning, and I, it's on my nightstand. I forgot it. But, uh, so he said, okay. He, and uh, I knelt down and on the floor, and they gathered around and laid hands on me. And he anointed my head with oil. And uh, they began to pray, and as he prayed, I felt the oil on top of my head, and then I felt it run down my head and then my neck and then all the way down my spine. <laughs> he had poured the whole bottle of oil <laughs> on my head and I thought, <laughs> as I tried not to laugh, as they were praying, I thought if it was up to the oil, I'd surely already be healed completely. When I s stood up from the floor, uh, my sciatica did improve and it was gone by Monday after I'd returned home from the weekend, and I was certainly blessed uh, that weekend. That was, like I said, 2010, and since that time, I've not once had any more sciatica. Sunday after, the week after that, uh, Buddy DeLuce had asked me on Monday if I would fill in for him on the Sunday school class that following Sunday, and I'd agreed. And as I was in the basement preparing for the lesson, I was reading in Genesis 32, starting in 22, and the caption there is, Jacob wrestles with God. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, 
but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face. And yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. As I read that, preparing for the lesson, I was in awe. I simply had to stop, raise my hands, and just let tears flow. Though I was a wrestler in high school and college, I'd never thought of it in terms of my having been wrestling with God for Him to bless me. But that was precisely what I'd been doing. And at the peak times of the match, he had touched my hip also. He had touched my life and given me confirmation of it. I came home from Emmaus with deep roots, confirmation. Confirmation is a horseman or a cowboy's term when they speak of a horse that is very well put together good muscle structure, strong, sturdy. My growth had truly began when I dug into his word approximately a year earlier. I didn't know it at the time, however, know it or not, I was setting down roots. Or should I say God, the gardener, the worker of the soil, the Amharets, was sending down roots into my heart that I might grow to be a tall tree showing his work for all to see. We have a saying in our Emmaus community that stood the test of time because it's true. It's in reference to our searching for the will of God and it fits our tree analogy here this morning. We are either growing or we are dying say that again, we are either growing or we are dying. I coined a slogan of sorts myself around the first part of 2011 with the storm of our son's addiction in our rearview mirror. I remember the first time that it entered my mind, our pastor Glenn had said to me, isn't it awesome when we see God's will play out. And in response, I said, do you know what's even better? When God shows you His will before He even does it. What does God's Word say, everyone? It says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Look and you will see. Knowing God's will is not only possible, it's required. 
Hebrews 10, starting verse 5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then he said, Here am I. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, Sacrifices and burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here am I. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the law to establish God's will and God's new covenant. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Christ said, here I am. I've come to do your will. Paul says that we have been, you and me, have been. That means it's in the past, already done. He said we have been made holy by the sacrifice of Christ. Because of this one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy holy by Christ's sacrifice we are no longer guilty if we live by the spirit and the will of God not guilty but confident we need to persevere persevere for what so as it says later in the verse so that when we have done the will of God, we will receive what he promised. So there it is. If we do his will, we will get the promise, the prize. Remember I said knowing God's will is not only possible, it's required. For if we do not know God's will or do not do God's will, how can we possibly receive what he has promised? If we don't know and then do the will of God, what can we expect? Well, we can go right back to that same chapter in Hebrews. And we can read. Starting in verse 26, if we deliberately keep on sinning. Now, I've studied that right there. It means, it doesn't mean the same thing as when we mess up or slip up and we blurt out a profanity or we, we don't mean to, but we hurt someone's feelings. That's not what that means. That means that we make a conscious choice to go in a direction that is not in God's direction. God's direction is repentance. If we have a repentant heart, and if it hurts us when we commit sins, then this isn't talking about us. This is talking about those that go opposed to that direction. 
says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of the judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Again, if you're not God's enemy, this is not speaking to you. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled on the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as unholy, as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you have received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. And at other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. We can and must know the will of God. In order to do that, we have to spend time with Him and His Son and His Holy Spirit. If you study and get to know the Word, it can be like a thermometer and you can be able to read into situations what God would do. What would Jesus do? And the Holy Spirit will always confirm the word it will never contradict his word we can ask questions like does this line up with how Jesus treated sinners and enemies does it fall in line with his teachings in the word we need to persevere as verse 23 of Hebrews 10 says we also need to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess because God who has promised is faithful. He is faithful. Will you show? He will show you His work. Will you look? Will you study? Will you seek? Will you ask? Will you pray? He will show himself. He will give you understanding. 
he will answer. He leads us in his way and his will. Will we follow? Let's pray. Lord, your son, your word tells us that you promise to show us your will. That you promise through the Holy Spirit to give us understanding. Understanding that is beyond our human capability. Supernatural understanding, Lord. Lord, we need but put forth an effort to seek your will, to seek your wisdom and understanding. And you promise to give those to us. Lord, you also promise to strengthen us. You promise that through the victory your son achieved over sin and death, that we are overcomers. We are more than victorious, Lord. So we have nothing to fear. Lord, strengthen us and help us to take the knowledge of your will and follow you and to do your will as we live our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.